Thank you for listening, downloading, sharing, subscribing, commenting, donating, and praying for us. And for going to BrotherLance.com to get the free PDF of this teaching. To get a warm fuzzy of an always gentle and loving Jesus. This is the baby Jesus syndrome that has infected the churches. Everyone loves sweet baby Jesus. But Jesus grew up and became the man of God, exacted judgment upon the forces of darkness, and will do so soon to all of humanity. Soon, very soon, he will double up both fists and beat to death all that offends our righteous and holy God. But if the gospel keeps being preached as this thing of, oh, happiness, joy, peace, just get along, whatever, then what happens is, is people don't value it anymore. They don't understand what's really at stake or what's playing, and it cheapens the gospel. That's why I said it's a cheap prostitute. It's something you tell people to make them feel good, but without telling them the whole truth. Jesus loves you. Yes. Okay, that's step one. You have to love him back. That's salvation. You have to love him back. And you have to love your brothers and sisters in Christ. And you have to obey God, right? And so the alternative is, is he's going to come back and destroy you if you don't accept his free gift and offering of forgiveness and love. The entire gospel is the division of humanity into two groups, saved and lost. Those who will receive eternal life or will receive eternal damnation by being thrown into the fires of hell and being consumed away. So Jesus has come to throw fire and division upon the earth. The divine, dark and light, lost and saved, righteous and unrighteous, right? Matthew 10, 34-39. Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. So we got fire and sword. Jesus has come to throw fire, rain down swords, and create division. Right? Now, this is not sweet baby Jesus. Right? Where everyone could just like him because they like his personality. And says, What do we learn here? Jesus has come to separate and divide people, not to bring peace with the world, but peace with God. If you're sitting there standing and they're hitting yourself in the head and the hammer, and you think it's the best thing ever, and you're just having so much fun, and you're like, just accept me the way I am. I'm like, you're killing yourself. You're mentally ill and you're killing yourself. It's not loving for me to be indifferent to your behavior. It makes no sense. I have to be concerned about what you're doing to yourself, what you're doing to your soul, or I don't love you. This is simple. So when the world preaches love, it's not love. It's indifference. And they call it acceptance. I care nothing about you. Do what you want. Oh, you love me. I could care less about you. That's what that attitude is. Like, do whatever you want. I don't care. Do each his own. Right? It's actually hatred. It's hatred. Because if you truly love somebody, you're going to value their soul. You're going to value God wanting to have a relationship with them. You're going to value having somebody else in the body of Christ. Matthew at 10.33 But whoever denies me before people, I will deny him also before my Father in heaven. That's a threat. It's a guarantee. Like, listen, you do this, I'm going to turn my back on you. Does that sound like sweet baby Jesus? They're like, no. You don't get to have me plus whatever. It's just me. You turn your back on me and that's it. We're done. Said 21 I have given her time to repent of her sins, but she does not want to turn from her immorality. And so I will throw her on a bed where she and those who committed adultery with her, spiritual sexual adultery with her, will suffer terribly, mixing the profane and the holy. I will do this now unless they repent of the wicked things they did with her. I will also kill her followers. 
And then all the churches will know that I am the one who knows everyone's thoughts and wishes. I will repay each of you according to which you have done. So this is Jesus saying, I'm going to kill them. I'm sick of their sin. They need to repent. I'm giving them time. If they don't take the time, I will destroy them. Where is sweet baby Jesus in that? This is man Jesus. This is like Lord and Savior Jesus, man of God Jesus saying, listen, you guys need to stop playing games. I ain't wasting my words. I ain't bumping my gums. Get it right. Repent before it's too late or I'm going to come at you and kill them. Revelation 2.16 says, Repent therefore or else I am coming to you quickly and I will make war against those against them with the sword of my mouth. Right? We read about that earlier. Right? So repent or Jesus is going to make war against you. That you're going to become the object of his wrath and fury. It's that simple. We don't want that to happen. We want people to repent. Brotherlamps.com Yahweh bless you and keep you. Yahweh make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. Yahweh lift up his counts upon you and give you shalom. Amen. All right, let's pray. Dear Father, we praise you. We thank you for everything you have done. Thank you for Thanksgiving and allowing us to spend time together as families and hanging out and just understanding all the blessings you provide for us and how we should glorify your name and be thankful in every situation. We thank you for your love. Thank you for your patience with us. And thank you for allowing us to love you and serve you. Uh, please bless our Bible study. Help us understand what we're talking about today and uh, give us Holy Spirit and His truth. Uh, bless those who aren't able to make it and be with them. And thank you for your love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 All right. Uh, so this one's going to be a, a weird one. <laughs> uh, so uh, last, our last Bible study is Jesus or fake Jesus is the son of perdition. And so this week we're talking about basically baby Jesus syndrome and no cheap gospel. But what we're trying to do is get rid of this idea of sweet baby Jesus is the only thing that exists. And that man Jesus no, didn't like baby Jesus didn't grow up and become a man. You're right. And let alone our Lord and Savior and, you know, Prince of Peace, you know, and going to come back and uh, kick some royal booty uh, against the forces of darkness and sin. And so if we're constantly being spoon fed at church, sweet, loving, kind Jesus, which he is, but you don't get the other side of his personality, just like a parent can be sweet and kind with their kids, but there's a disciplinary side to them. That is just as effective. And so if we look in scripture, we'll find that Jesus, when people were humble, he was kind, sweet, caring, gentle. If people were prideful, he hit them with hammers and the hammer of his mouth. And, and like he just cut to the chase. And that's what we're going to be looking at today, that we have to understand that, yes, we can have loving, kind, caring Jesus in our lives. And that's what we want, because that's who, that's who he wants to be. That's his personality. But there's also warrior Jesus. Right. You know, lion of the tribe of Judah, Jesus, you know, the one that's going to come back and destroy people with the brightness of his coming. And so that's what this Bible study is about, that we're trying to like dispel. So it almost seems like, Lance, you're like overemphasizing some things. I was like, I'm just emphasizing things no one emphasizes so we can get the whole picture. And so don't take this study as saying that Jesus isn't sweet, kind and caring. He is. He is. He absolutely is. If you're humble.
and obedient. And if you're not, you're getting it. So be on alert. So let's begin. Baby Jesus Syndrome and No More Cheap Gospel. It says, our study today is going to seem awkward to some. It might even seem inappropriate to others. We'll be looking at another side of Jesus' personality that many never dare uh, to look at. Often it is hidden by false teachers and churches, those who turn the gospel of Jesus into a cheap prostitute. The heathenistic Johns flock to their spiritual pimps to get a warm fuzzy of an always gentle and loving Jesus. This is the baby Jesus syndrome that has infected the churches. Everyone loves sweet baby Jesus. But Jesus grew up and became the man of God, exacted judgment upon the forces of darkness, and will do so soon to all of humanity. Soon, very soon, he will double up both fists and beat to death all that offends our righteous and holy God. He will cut to pieces all those covered in sin with the sword of his mouth, destroying everything not covered in his blood by the brightness of his righteousness. Repent or die by the hands of the Savior of the world. Your time is short, so choose today. Harsh things, but it's the absolute truth, right? I remember back uh, in that that big old revival in America, and there was sinners in the hands of an angry God, because they helped them understand what was at play. It, it's the gospel. It's the good news because of the alternative. It's good news you don't have to get punishment. It's good news you don't have to go to hell. It good, it's good news you get eternal life because the opposite is you go to hell. You're going to die. You're going to pay for your sins. You're going to be separated from God. That's why it's the good news. It's not the so-so news, right? And so it's good news because of the alternative. And we want to stay away from the alternative. But if the gospel keeps being preached as this thing of, oh, happiness, joy, peace, just get along, whatever, then what happens is, is people don't value it anymore. They don't understand what's really at stake or what's playing, and it cheapens the gospel. That's why I said it's a cheap prostitute. It's something you tell people to make them feel good, but without telling them the whole truth. Jesus loves you. Yes. Okay, that's step one. You have to love him back. That's salvation. You have to love him back. And you have to love your brothers and sisters in Christ. And you have to obey God, right? And so the alternative is, is he's going to come back and destroy you if you don't accept his free gift and offering of forgiveness and love, right? And so that's the alternative. So we're going to focus on that today. And so we come out the gate hard right here. It says, be not deceived. It says, allow me to help you find out what side you are on. 1 John 5, 1-5. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been fathered by God, and everyone who loves the Father loves the child fathered by him. That would be Jesus. Verse 2. By this, we know that we love the children of God whenever we love God and obey his commandments. Wow. Keep that in mind. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments do not weigh us down, because everyone who has been fathered by God conquers the world. This is the conquering power that has conquered the world, our faith. Now, who is the person who has conquered the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? All right? So, John 14, 15 through 17. If you love me, Jesus said, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, so that he may be with you forever. Right? Let me just stop there. If you let me keep my commandments, and then I will pray for God to give you the Holy Spirit. So you you love him, and he tells you how. Keep his commandments, and then you get what? The Holy Spirit. All right. Easy. Verse 17. The Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him nor know him. By, uh, by you know, but you know him, for he dwells with you and shall be with you. Okay, so what do we have here? To love God, to love Christ, is to keep the commandments. 
Easy, and we proved it two verses easy, okay? So let's look at this. What about those who refuse to love God by obeying him? First Corinthians, uh, Corinthians 16, 22, and the King James Version says, If any man loves not the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be anath anathema maranatha. What does that mean? So Young's literal translation of 1 Corinthians 16, 22, If anyone does not love the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be anathema, the Lord has come. So maranatha means the Lord has come or is, is coming or come quick, right? So the New English translation translates the word anathema for us. 1 Corinthians 16, 22. Let anyone who has no love for the Lord be accursed. Our Lord come, right? So anybody who doesn't love God, the Bible says, let him, love Jesus. It says, let him be accursed. That is hardcore. And we know that we love Jesus by what? Keeping the commandments. Easy. Now, we're not talking perfection. I always like to throw that in there. It's a heart attitude of not being in rebellion, submitting, and striving towards the goal of obedience, right? Not perfection. And so what we have to remember is there's only one option here, guys. It's either obedience equals love, and you have a relationship, or you don't, and you're accursed. Easy enough, okay? Top of page two. So some might say that this is very divisive. Yes, it is, and it's meant to be. The entire gospel is the division of humanity into two groups, saved and lost. Those who will receive eternal life or will receive eternal damnation by being thrown into the fires of hell and being consumed away. Jesus goes ahead and does one better. He creates a large obstacle to salvation so that humanity is only left with one choice. That's what's, what's that obstacle? John 14, 6. Jesus replied, I am the way and the truth and the life, no one comes to the Father except through me. Right? Jesus does not throw it wide in a big gate and you say, chew your path. He's no, this is the one path. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the light. You can't make it if you ain't got me. That's not like this inclusive gospel. That's a lie. There's only one way. It's Jesus, right? And so it says, John the disciple, Jesus continues on with, again, restating the insurmountable object of salvation. 1 John 2, 23. Everyone who denies the Son does not have the Father either. The person who confesses the Son has the Father also. So Jesus' uh, claim in John 14, 6 is called the exclusivity claim of Jesus. I'm it. Right? There's no other option. I'm it. You want salvation. You want forgiveness of sins. It's Jesus. You have to have him. He has to be your Lord and Savior. We just learned a second ago, if you don't love him by obeying him, you're accursed. Mm -hmm. Yep, we just divided a whole bunch of people, even people that are in church. It's a desire, a want to, a willing to submit, okay? So, with this idea of getting rid of the baby Jesus syndrome and curing people of their uh, proclivities to want to think that, you know, Jesus never grew up and he's always sweet and kind and will never hurt a fly, let's begin. Fire thrower, the Lord of division and separation. Luke 12, 49-53. It says, I came to throw fire on the earth, and I wish it was already kindled. Verse 50. But I have a baptism to be baptized with, and how distressed I am until it is accomplished. Do you think that I've come to give peace in the earth? Whoa, I tell you no, but rather division. So Jesus has come to throw fire and division upon the earth. The divine, dark and light, lost and saved, righteous and unrighteous, right? 
52. For now, from now on, there will be five in one house divided, three against two and two against three. They'll be divided father against son and son against father, mother against daughter, daughter against her mother, mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Right? So Jesus says, what I'm doing is going to create division in your life and on the planet. Fake Jesus is going to be the, the, the Messiah of peace on the earth. Right? And so it ain't going to happen. Okay, and so let's look at the next verse, Matthew 10, 34 through 39. Do you not think that I've come to bring peace to the earth? I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. So we got fire and sword. Jesus has come to throw fire, rain down swords and create division. Right now, this is not sweet baby Jesus, right? Where everyone could just like him because they like his personality and, you know, do the Muslim thing. Well, he was a good prophet. No. He's the man of God. He's down here to separate and divide you, right? From your families, from your countries, from your uh, communities. He's here to divide. Sheep and goats all day long. Verse 35. For I come to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemies will be the members of his own household. Whoever loves father and mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose. And whoever loses his life because of me will find it. Where is the inclusivity of these claims? Jesus, I'm the way and truth of life. There ain't no way but me. And he says, I'm down here to throw fire and swords and create division and separate you from your family, from your loved ones, from everything on this planet. Right? He's here to make it difficult. <laughs> There's no way else to put it. He is here making life difficult because it's easy to get with the world and go, oh, we're all friends. We can get along. You do your thing. I, well, good for you. What's good for you to each his own. That's not what Jesus is doing. He's like, listen, guys, you're going to be separated and cut apart and cut out of these things. And people are going to hate you and attack you for it. Okay. It says, what do we learn here? Jesus has come to separate and divide people, not to bring peace with the world, but peace with God. It says, this is exactly what the Holy Spirit was sent to do. Divide and conquer. Mind you, as we read above, the same Holy Spirit is sent to those who obey him. John 16, 8 through 11. And when he comes, he will prove the world wrong concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I'm going to the Father and you will see me no longer. And concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world has been condemned. Right? So what is the Holy Spirit down here doing? Creating division. He's dividing. Right? That's what we just said. Righteousness and judgment concerning sin. Right? Concerning uh, all the things that pertain to life, the Holy Spirit down here pointing us down the right path. If something is right, then that means something is by uh, by default is made wrong. Right? And so there's a right way to walk with God. There's a wrong way to rock, walk with God. And so we have to keep that in mind. So let's go ahead and keep rolling. Often misquoted and misapplied verse, Matthew 5, 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. Right? Top of page 3. says, the gospel of peace is between man and God, not man in the world. Those of the faith that have peace with God and others because of Jesus. 
right? And so a lot of people take this like Christians should be the ones out doing peace deals. Christians are the ones that are supposed to be doing this. And that's fine. You can do those things. But that's not what the verse is meaning. The, it's meaning peace between man and God. Blessed are the peacemakers. The ones that are going out and bringing righteousness and reconciliation between the lost soul and their his their creator. That is a peacemaker. Okay? And we're going to prove that here. It says Romans 5.1. Says, being therefore justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So, where's the peace? You, the, Jesus says, you all have tribulation in this world, right? The Bible says that you know all they live God have have persecution. This is not peace with the world. This is peace with God. So we can be at hundred percent absolute rock solid peace with God and in turmoil in the world, right? Where everything is not copacetic. And we're just trying to figure life out. But in our hearts and with God, we're okay. Okay? So Ephesians 2, 13 through 20. says, By now in Christ Jesus, but now in Christ Jesus, you who are once afar off are made near by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace. He making us both one, and he has broken down the middle uh, wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity of the law of the commandments containing ordinance, that's the Levitical law, so that in himself he might make the two into one new man, that's Jew and Gentile, making peace between them. Here I see verse 16, so that he might reconcile both to God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity in himself. And he came and preached peace to those who were far off and to those who were near, right? Peace with God. For through him we have access by one spirit to the Father, right? So the peace is with God. Verse 19, Now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints of the household of God and are built upon the foundation of apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, right? So this is peace with God. Let's go. The world is the enemy of God. James. 4.4. Four. Adulterers, do you not know that friendship with the world means hostility towards God? So whoever decides to be friend, uh, the world's friends makes himself God's enemy, right? So the world is God's enemy. That's what it's saying. If you're trying to be friends with the world, oh, just get along, each his own, do what you want. Everybody can have their own slice of pie. Everybody's touching a different part of the elephant kind of thing. No, it doesn't work. All right? And that's not what Jesus came to do. That's not what the Holy Spirit's here to do. They're here to cause division. Either you're with him or you're against him. That's it. Right? So what are Christians supposed to be doing? They're supposed to be dividing. Right? Helping the world understand. Now, we don't pick and choose these people, but we teach the truth. And that by the truth being taught, they decide where they're going to land. Right? So I don't have to pick and choose. You're good. You're bad. No, I didn't get to do that. What I'm going to do is tell you the truth. And then in your own heart, in your own mind, you're either going to get ridiculously offended, walk away and get mad at me. Right? Or you're going to go, that makes sense in my heart, in my mind. I know what you're saying. I respond well to it. I want to be with Jesus. Boom. That's it. Easy enough. Right? All right. Next one. Says John 8, 23 through 24. And he said to them, you are from beneath. Jesus said this. I am from above. Right? Okay, there's up and down. You are of this world. I am not of this world. Therefore, I say to you that you shall die in your sins. For if you do not believe in me that I am, you shall die in your sins. So what is Jesus saying there? It's this division. It's like there's above and there's below. The world is below. Christians and Jesus and everything's above. We, we're not of this world. Right? We are, we're part of a different kingdom, a spiritual kingdom. All right? So this, again, division. 
Okay, John 18, 36. Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then my servants would fight so that I might not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. So, again, two different kingdoms, separation. You have to be receive repentance, get baptized, receive the Holy Spirit to be, you know, go to, to basically go through customs to get into the kingdom of heaven. Most people get stuck in customs because they're trying to figure out what they can bring with them. Mm -hmm. And Jesus is like, no, you have to drop it all. You don't get to bring anything to heaven. You have to drop it all, forsake the world, forsake everything. And then you can make it through customs. Most people don't. They get stuck in customs, right? It's just like when you go to a country, it's like, oh, declare what you're bringing. And everybody tries to hide stuff in their pants, you know, and see what they can get away with. Okay. We, no, division. Okay. Ah, so... So Matthew 4, 17, it says, From that time, Jesus began to preach and say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. If the kingdom of heaven is at hand, yet Jesus said his kingdom is not of this world, then where is it? It is in the hearts and minds of mankind. This is why the lawless one wants to dominate by setting up lawlessness in the hearts of mankind. As it says, to set himself up in the temple of God, which is the heart of man, and then act as if he is God. This finds its completion in the mark of the beast, right? And this, again, the mark of the beast will bring separation, division, right? To those who have it and those who don't, right? Those who worship the world will get it. Those who worship God will refrain. And they'll pay a high price for it, but they'll be duly rewarded, okay? 1 John 2, 15 through 17. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Because all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the arrogance produced by material possessions, is not from the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away with all its desires, but the person who does the will of God will remain forever. Right? And so we are not supposed to love the world. The peace is not in the world. The peace is between man and God and us and our maker. Now, the beautiful thing is, is that if I have that peace with God and you have that peace in, with God, we have unity with each other. We worship the same things. We have the same goals, the same mindsets, the same intentions. Right. And so that's where in churches there's division because and praise God for the division because the, the the salt needs to be separated the dark and the light need to be separated and so that's why some people you get around they say they're Christians but you can't relate to them at all there's no no unity there's no communion between you two it's because there's this barrier because they are still from below and you're from below they're in a different kingdom they think they're Christians they're not they're fooling themselves or they're very, very, very baby Christians and haven't matured and grown up yet. And they need to be taught. But the, the fact remains the same. There is a separation. There is a division. OK, so uh, top of page four. There we go. Top of page four it says we are different from the world and there will be no peace in the world. 1 Thessalonians 5, 1 through 9. Now on the topic of times and seasons, brothers and sisters, you have no need for anything to be written to you. For you know quite well that the day of the Lord will come in the same way as a thief in the night. Now when they are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction comes on them like labor pains and on pregnant women, and they will surely not escape. 
right? Because earlier it says, blessed is the peacemaker. But here we're saying they're going to say peace, peace, and there's no peace. We're not talking about worldly peace. We're talking about peace with God, right? Verse 4. But you, brothers and sisters, are not in the darkness for the day to overtake you like a thief would. For you are all sons of light, sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of the darkness. So then we must not sleep as the rest, but stay alert and sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we are of the day, we must stay sober by putting on the breastplate of faith and love and as a helmet or hope for salvation. For God did not destine us for wrath, but for gaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Right? Again, peace with God, not peace with the world. And they're going to say peace, peace, there'll be no peace, right? Sudden destruction befalls them in their attempt for peace. And fake Jesus is going to preach peace, peace, and, you know, love your uh, Muslim brother, love your Jewish brother, love your honey Christian brother. You know, that's fine. I can love people, but I don't have to set down my convictions on who Jesus Christ is to love them, right? I, so you have family members. They'll be like, oh, you should just love them. They're gay. Well, my love for them compels me to tell them the truth. Right. My love can for, me, uh, for the Muslims tells, compels me to tell them they're going to hell. You need to accept Jesus Christ or you're going to die. Same thing with any of the Jewish religion, right? You need salvation. Jesus wants to give it to you. Accept him, right? And so people want to say love is indifference. They preach that like if you just love somebody, you have to be indifferent under what they're doing. Well, how does that make any sense? If you're sitting there standing and they're hitting yourself in the hand, head and the hammer and you think it's the best thing ever and you're just having so much fun and you're like, just accept me the way I am. I'm like, you're killing yourself. You're mentally ill and you're killing yourself. It's not loving for me to be indifferent to your behavior. It makes no sense. I have to be concerned about what you're doing to yourself, what you're doing to your soul, or I don't love you. This is simple. So when the world preaches love, it's not love. It's indifference. And they call it acceptance. I care nothing about you. Do what you want. Oh, you love me. I could care less about you. That's what that attitude is. Like, do whatever you want. I don't care. Do each his own. Right? It's actually hatred. It's hatred. Because if you truly love somebody, you're going to value their soul. You're going to value God wanting to have a relationship with them. You're going to value having somebody else in the body of Christ. Okay? So, John 17, 16 to the same thing. They do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. Set them apart in truth. Your word is truth. Right? So, we're not of the world. We're separated. We're supposed to be separated. Next one. 1 John 3, 1. See what sort of love the Father has given us, that we should be called God's children. And indeed, we are. For this reason, the world does not know us. Because it did not know him. Right? Again, separation. There's the world and then there's us. The world's going to hell. It's going to burn. It's going to pay for its sins. Christians do not have to because of what Jesus did. Right? And so we accept that and receive our salvation. But we can never diminish our salvation and who we are in Christ to try to make a world like us that is bent on hating us. And that's what the church is doing. It's prostituting itself out to the to the to the world that's gonna die, that needs salvation, and they water down their message to try to get appeal, curb appeal from the uh, from the world to make them well. If I can just get on the TV shows, if I blah, 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 I could do something for Christ. No, you're diminished your light. You're no longer salt. You're saying it's gospel. You're saying it's ministry, and all you're doing is hating yourself and hating them because you're not telling them the truth. The truth shall set you free. Correct. Right? Use another truth, and the truth shall set you free. 
You can't diminish it. Right? That's why I said it's a cheap prostitute. Hey, you guys want a warm fuzzy? You want to feel good? Let me tell you something. You're so loved. You can never do anything wrong. God will always be there for you. Don't you feel great about yourself now? Oh, I'm so loved. And they make songs about it. Hmm. You know, I'm like, no, that's not the truth. You're going straight to hell thinking you're loved. But nobody has loved you because nobody's told you the truth. And they just want you to be around and they want to give you time and they want, no, I have, I have years of ministry. I've learned people are going to do what they want to do. And basically you have to either jolt them out of the, what they're doing, or they're just going to continue on. Truth. Right. You make a choice. That's why they hated Jesus so much it, because he was always forcing people to make a choice. Pick something, guys, one way or the other, make a decision. That's what he's doing. That's what we have to do one way or the other. That's why I put out that text. And then maybe that's why people aren't here. Listen, either you're a visitor or you're a member. If you're committing keep the Sabbath and the commandments of God, you're a member. If you're not, then you're a visitor. Because you have not fully joined Christianity in a way to at least begin to understand that you need to keep his commandments. Now, we all go through that transition period, but you have to have a desire to understand. If you're refusing knowledge, if you're refusing the opportunity to understand, then no, you're a visitor. And we'll let you be a visitor. It's like the outer court where people can come and gawk and look at things and like see how things are going on until you want to submit to Christ and fully walk with us. Because where we're going, you can't go. And I'm not going to sit here and pretend you're going with me because you're not. Because what good does it do? I have to tell you the truth. You have to make a choice. You have to decide to obey God or not obey God. And full obedience too, not just this half-hearted obedience. It's sad because why the tithing system has changed in the Bible because there is no temple, the churches in the world will preach that all day long. But the Ten Commandments, which haven't changed, are still prominent in the New Testament in the Bible. They don't talk about that. But they'll try to teach you to teach Passover. It's stupid. I mean, you can keep Passover if you want, but it has nothing to do with your salvation. You ain't going to hell if you don't keep Passover. You are going to hell if you have other guys before him, make a good image, use his name in vain, not keep the Sabbath. Bye. You're burning. That's right. right? And then we're not talking about failing or making mistakes. We're talking about rebellion. People will say, no, I don't do that. To know the truth and not do it. Yep. Yep. To, uh... Basic too much is given, much is required, it says. So, anyways. Um, forgot where I was at. Which one was the last one? 1 John 3, 13 through 16. Next. Okay. 1 John 3, 13 through 16. Therefore, do not be surprised, brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. We know that we have crossed over from death to life because we love our fellow Christians. The one who does not love remains in death. Everyone who hates his fellow Christian is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. We have come to know love by this, that Jesus laid down his life for us, that we ought to lay down our lives for our fellow Christians. Right? And so how do we know love? Right? So this isn't peace with the world. This is peace with God and peace with the body. We're being separated. Jesus hammers and, and, and swords and fireballs and whatever you want to call it, nuclear bombs from Jesus. He's creating a division. If you spend your entire ministry life trying to make the world like you, 
Man, all your works are going to get burnt up, like the Bible says. They're going to be weighed and found wanting. Now, like me, I don't have a big ministry. Uh, you know, I'm trying to reach out to people. But you know what? Greater is he who is faithful in the little than unfaithful in the much. Just because you got a nice house and a nice car and a big name doesn't mean nothing to God. It's jack squat. That's right. So you, many people are going to be surprised. They're going to get to heaven and some janitor working at a high school somewhere who faithfully ministers to children and shares the love of Christ is going to have way bigger rewards than some of these big time evangelists because he's been faithful with it. And that's what God you know, wants us to be. And then our works don't get all eaten up. All right, uh, Mark 13, 18 through 13. Mark 13, 18 through 13. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be earthquakes in different places, and there shall be famines and troubles. These things are the beginning of sorrows. But take heed to yourself, for they shall deliver you up to Sanhedrin's or churches, and in the synagogues, and you shall be eaten, and you shall be brought before rulers and kings for my sake, for a testimony against them. And the gospel must be first proclaimed to all nations. But whenever they lead you away and deliver you up, take no thought beforehand what you should speak or think, but speak whatever shall be given to you in that hour for it is not you who speaks but the holy spirit and the, and a brother will betray a brother to death and a father his son and a child will rise up against their parents and will cause them to be put to death and you'll be hated by all for my name's sake but he enduring to the end that one will be kept safe or receive salvation basically so here's the deal guys what is he saying? He's saying, bring division. It's coming. The whole world's going to hate you. Don't spend your time trying to get it to like you. Because mm -hmm. who's influencing who? If you're watering down your message, if you're soft peddling, if you're just backing off, you won't speak up, then they're influencing you because they're being the darkness to your light. Right. right. And, and you're being beaten down and your witness is being destroyed. You can't let that happen. But the churches do it all the time. They call it seeker-friendly. Whatever. It's like sinner-friendly. That's all it is. It's like another way to get a warm fuzzy to buy fake Jesus, little sweet baby Jesus, you know. and the, Right, sweet baby Jesus syndrome. Right, and that's all they want. But listen, boom. We're about to read a bunch of smack now from Jesus here in a minute. This is the buildup. 2 Corinthians 2, 15 through 17. For we are a sweet aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved, and among those who are perishing, to the latter an odor for death to death, but to the former a fragrance from life to life. And who is adequate of these things? For we are not like so many others, hucksters who peddle the word of God for profit. But we are speaking in Christ before God as a person in sincerity and a person sent from God, right? And so we don't soft pedal. I, everybody's like, well, Lance, you never soft pedal. I, I actually do. You don't realize. I actually hold a lot back. And I'm constantly trying to filter and people are like, well, you know, <clears throat> I do. But what I do say is so truthful and to the point and concise, it feels harsh. But it's done out of love because I want people to be saved. I want people to receive salvation, you know. And I imagine myself that like God is dad. He's my father, my Abba. And then there's children, his children. And I'm trying to restore these relation, lost relationships, right? And so while I'm trying to get people on the right path, I look at the hurt of my father. And I'm moved by that. I understand what it's doing to him, right? And so if anybody who would love a parent and see the hurt a parent has over a lost child, then yes, you are on the defensive for your dad, for your parent. 
That's how I feel about God. That's how I feel about Christ. It's like, listen, guys, we have to understand that he has emotions. He's not stoic. He's not just up there like, I hope you come. No, right? It says, the Bible says he's a jealous God, right? And that he is passionate. Read the whole Old Testament. He's a passionate God. He has emotions. We don't, we like somehow, since we like sweet baby Jesus, and we like sugar daddy God, that we think that somehow he is so far removed from anything that's going on down here, it, he's unfazed. But how many times does he get silent or get quiet or tells people in the Old Testament to remind them of the people's sins and that he like seems like to take a pause like I can't or even on the Exodus is like, I'm not going with you anymore. Ouch. What is that saying? You have hurt me. That's what that's saying. Compare it back to the Garden of Eden where God walks amongst them and not just amongst them. To them. Even after they sinned, he walked to them. Instead of saying, I'm God, appear before me. That is not the picture you get from our God, from our Father. Loving, caring, compassionate, wanting relationship, desiring it. But he's so pure, righteous, and holy, he can't do it with sin. He consumes it. Right? And so he has to have us help people Get to him. They call it the foolishness of preaching. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Right? The Bible calls it foolishness. And because it's so, it seems so absurd, but that's the manner in which he chose. And so this is what we do. So if we are watering down our message, if we aren't telling people the truth, if we're trying to make friends and just get along, right? Too afraid to be that guy on the outs. He says, blessed are you when they don't include you. You know, or you're persecuted for his name. You're blessed. Rejoice, he says. Do you really want them as friends if they don't love Jesus? I mean, why would you? To what standard do you have to rely upon that they have anything in their life that they would be a good friend? Nothing. Zilch. You know, I'm moral. Based on what? Based on who? You know, I'm a Muslim. I'm moral. Big deal. Whoop. Doesn't the Quran say you can lie if it justifies the means to the end? Yes, it does. So how can I ever believe a Muslim will ever tell me the truth? I can't. Period. You know, and like, how about Jews, you know, in Kabbalahs and stuff? They said, you know, you're damned to hell if you even say the word Jesus. Do you mean I can't ever talk to you? I had a friend once I worked with her. And she goes, Lance, I really like you and stuff, but I, I, I don't really want to talk about the religion stuff anymore. I was like, I totally understand. I get exactly where you're coming from. If you ever need prayer or want to talk about it, let me know. Goodbye. It was the last time I ever talked to her. There is no me without him. Period. You can't say, I like you. I want to separate you from what makes you, you. It's ignorant. It's stupid. And people try to do it all the time. They're like, they'll, they'll hide their Christianity to their neighbors, to their coworkers, to their bosses, to their friends. To the clubs. So let go. Hold on. Let me put little Jesus in a box here and shove him away under the corner while I'm at work, or amongst my friends. And let me not say I'll pray for people or stand up for truth because I want people to like me. You're denying Jesus. That's all you're doing. You're saying, God, I fear them more than I fear you. God, I want their approval more than I want yours. God, you're not really needed in this situation. I have them. And what did Jesus say? You deny me on the earth, I'll deny you before my father, period.
Don't do that. That's dumb. Top page five. And follow the example set before us by God and man. Acts 17, 6 through 7. And not finding them, they drew uh, Jason and certain brothers before the city judged, crying, those who have turned the world upside down have come here too, whom Jason has received. And, and these all act contrary to the decree of Caesar, saying that there is another king, Jesus. Guess what? There is. Period. Deal with it. Right? And so uh, that's what we need to be doing. We need to be turning the world upside down. Stop playing pussyfoot with the world. Stop trying to play, you know, rock, paper, scissors. Stop trying to like hold their hands and kumbaya with the world. You can't. That's not what you're called to do. The whole first part of this Bible study is to prove that Jesus is here to throw fire, throw swords, to create division, to separate you from you and your family and everything you ever loved in this life because you love him more. And if you don't love him more, you're not worthy of him and you don't have him. And you cannot love him without keeping the commandments, period. You have to obey him. Yeah, it's a high order. Many are called, few are chosen. Because they hear this stuff and they go, Lance, it's too hard. Okay, goodbye. I'm not going to stop because you can't, right? Period. It's not going to happen, you know? And the same thing with anybody in my life, wife, kids, anybody. No, there's only one option here and it's four. And Jesus says, you can't love anything I give you more than me. I gave it to you. It would be foolishness to turn my back on God for my wife, which I don't have to. She's a wonderful woman or my kids. Same thing with them. Wonderful people, right? But if I ever did, that would be foolishness because the only reason why I have them is because of him. That's right. So how do I worship the blessing more than the blesser? People do it all the time, right? And they use this excuse. And how many times have we used it? He'll forgive me. I can do it. I'll ask forgiveness when I'm done. Ouch. All right. So this is the hard stuff. This is Jesus throwing hammers. Okay. This is destroying sweet baby Jesus. We kind of got rid of the cheap gospel that it costs something. It creates division. It means something. You have to make a choice. Now we're talking about Jesus being a man and telling people the truth. Now, if I talk like this, you guys will be like, Lance, you're so harsh. And you're so rude. Oh, okay. Jesus did it. So let's do it. The defamer, the Lord of purposeful threats. Matthew 10.33, but whoever denies me before people, I will deny him also before my Father in heaven. That's a threat. It's a guarantee. Like, listen, you do this, I'm going to turn my back on you. Does that sound like sweet baby Jesus? They're like, no, you don't get to have me plus whatever. It's just me. You turn your back on me and that's it. We're done. Right? Matthew 11.20-24, through the people in the towns where Jesus had performed most of his miracles did not turn from their sins. Ooh. So he reproached those towns. We're going to talk about that word reproached. How terrible is it for you, Charizan? Uh, I'm going to say that's right. Charizan? I don't know. How terrible for you, Bethsaida? If the miracles which were performed and you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, the people there would have long ago put on sackcloth and sprinkle ashes on themselves to show that they had turned from their sins. I assure you that on Judgment Day, God will show more mercy on the people of Tyre and Sidon than you. And as for you, Capernaum, do you want to lift yourself up to heaven? You will be thrown down to hell. If the miracles which were performed in you had been performed in Sodom, it would still be in existence today. Oh, that hurts. You can be sure that on Judgment Day, God will show more mercy to Sodom than you. Reproach, Strong's G3679 from G3681. To defame, that is to rail at, 
to chide, to taunt, cast in teeth, suffer reproach, revile, and unbraid. So when it says, so he reproached those towns, this is not like, oh, what are you going to do? Oh, Bethsaida. <laughs> no. It's like we need emojis in the Bible. It's like, you know, she could see angry face, you know, like by reproached, you know, and like frustrated face by the miracle uh, demonstration. Like, what are you doing? You know, I was like, let's put some emojis up in this joint so we can understand the emotion. But we have to say, as for you, says you'll be thrown down to hell. This is not sweet baby Jesus. This is not like happy get along. This is like. Right. right, I'm slapping you around. You guys are doing horrible things. All right, Luke 10, 10 through 12. And whatever city you enter and they do not receive you, going out into the streets, say, even the dust of your city, which clings to us, we bite off against you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of heaven and God has come near you. But I say to you that it should be more tolerable in the days for Sodom than in for that city. I mean, that is a threat. That is a guarantee. That's like, listen. Watch this. Uh, uh, uh. Now, now, this totally flies in the face of, oh, be nice to everyone. No, Jesus is like, condemn them. If they do not accept you, condemn them. Right? And this is how you do it. I want you to take your shoe off and dust the dirt off, and that is a sign of their condemnation, and you walk off. You don't play games with them because it doesn't help them receive repentance. Right? The loving thing is they went to the city. The loving thing is they talked about Jesus. The loving thing is they were offering salvation and repentance. That's the love. I have come to you in love. Receive the love of Christ so you can be forgiven. And he goes, if they reject, turn around and do this sign of condemnation upon them so they know they're going to get paid for this. And that's what we're supposed to do. Right? What's the sign of condemnation? Well, and that's – it was a representation. They say take the shoe off and dust the okay. – Yeah, yeah. That's what he was doing. Yeah. That's, that's okay. You know, and there's a lot that goes into the whole shoe thing, especially in that culture, you know. But uh, we'll get into that some other time. But anyway, it's a cultural thing. But basically what he's saying, let them know that, that, that they had a chance. The kingdom of God has come to you today, and you've rejected God. And because of that, it'll be better for Sodom and Gomorrah than it's going to be for you. Because God is not going to forget that you have just rejected his salvation. That is not playing game. Oh, come back next week. Be patient. Oh, no. How does patience help people when they're stuck in their sin and in rebellion? It doesn't. Because you have to tell them, listen, you're going to hell right now. You need to stop. You need to repent. Right? Plead with them because you have no guarantee that they're not going to go get smashed by a car as soon as you're done talking to them. Mm -hmm. I had a friend, Jeff, and he had, was at a uh, red box getting a movie one night and somebody else came up and God told him, talk to this person. Talk to him about Christ. Give him the salvation message. And he said he didn't. He was too busy. He wanted to run a movie and go home. Been there, done that. I know how that feels. You're just tired. And so he said, as soon as they left, they both left basically at the same time. The guy got T-boned. Oh, no. He said, I don't know if he died. I don't know what happened to him. He said, all I know is God told me to talk to him, and I didn't. Horrible place. Right. And so don't play games with people. And they're like, well, they might not like me. They already don't like you. If they don't like Christ, they don't like you. They don't like what you, they, you do for them, what you can provide for them, the comfort you give them. But if, if you're a Christian, you are Christ. That's your identity, 
right? You have Jesus in you. That's who you are. That's why you're called a Christian, a miniature small baby Jesus, a Christ, a Christian, right? And so we can't separate the two and we need not try. Matthew 23, 34 through 36. For this reason, I'm saying you prophets and wise men and experts in the law, some of whom you will kill and crucify and some you will flog in your synagogues and pursue from town to town so that on you will come all the righteous bloodshed on the earth for the blood of the righteous able to the blood of Zechariah, son of Barakah, whatever, whom you murdered between the temple and the altar. I tell you to the truth. The generation will be held responsible for all these things. Another guarantee Another thread that, listen, guys, you guys are getting this because you haven't repented. Next one, Revelation 2, 20 through 23, right? This is after Jesus died and went up to heaven, right? By this is what I have against you. You tolerate that woman, Jezebel, who calls herself a messenger of God or for God. But her teachings, she misleads my servants into practicing sexual immorality and eating food that has been offered to idols. Pause. Let's stop right there. Okay. How many of you guys are dealing with false doctrines being preached on television? Mm. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and all these things, and you deal with false pastors and false leaders. This is what Jesus feels about these things. He said, don't tolerate these things. And that's what that false food is right there. Right. But Jezebel, she's teaching the word of God, but it's false. You're right. Oh, yeah. Misleading people. Book time. This is said 21. I have given her time to repent of her sins, but she does not want to turn from her immorality. And so I will throw her on a bed where she and those who committed adultery with her, spiritual sexual adultery with her, will suffer terribly, mixing the profane and the holy. I will do this now unless they repent of the wicked things they did with her. I will also kill her followers. And then all the church will know that I am the one who knows everyone's thoughts and wishes. I will repay each of you according to which you have done. So this is Jesus saying, I'm going to kill them. I'm sick of their sin. Right. They need to repent. I'm giving them time. If they don't take the time, I will destroy them. Where is sweet baby Jesus in that? This is man Jesus. This is like Lord and Savior Jesus, man of God Jesus saying, listen, you guys need to stop playing games. I ain't wasting my words. I ain't bumping my gums. Get it right. Repent before it's too late or I'm going to come at you and kill them. That's right. All right. Top of page six. Luke 12, 45 through 48. But if that servant says in his heart, my Lord delays his coming and begins to beat the men servants and the maid servants to eat and drink and to be drunken, then the Lord of the servant will come in a day that he isn't expecting him in an hour that he doesn't know, and he will cut him in two. Right. Boom. And place his portion with the unfaithful. That servant who knew his Lord's will and didn't prepare nor did what he wanted will be beaten with the many stripes. But he who didn't know and did the things worthy of stripes will be beaten with few stripes. To whomever much is given, of whom much will be required. And to whom much was entrusted, of whom more will be asked. So what's that saying, guys? Christians are likely to pay more for their sin because of the truth they understand and know than those in the world who don't. They might kill a million people and you might just deny Christ and the gospel. You're going to pay more. You had the better opportunity. Right, and so those who uh, are, are where there are many things, a lot of things, will be beaten with many stripes. Right, 
and those were few of a few stripes. And so what we have to understand here, guys, if you deny Christ because you want the world to like you, if you deny Christ because you want to get along, if you deny Christ because you want status in the world or promotion, if you deny Christ for anything at all, you're getting a greater judgment. As a teacher of the scriptures or a pastor, there's a gift of teaching, it's the Holy Spirit teaches. But anyways, a person involved in this activity, I have another layer. Because if I teach you guys something wrong or share something to be true that it's not, I have a greater condemnation, the Bible says. I have to be doubly aware of what I'm saying. Because I that's why I hate, you know, there's a pastor guy on television that me and Angel watch uh, or listen to every now and then. And he was like, well, I'm not saying this is the way it is. Then shut your mouth. Shut your mouth. Don't say a thing. If you don't know for sure, if you're not willing to die for what you're right. teaching, shut your mouth. Right. Because guess what? God doesn't care. Well, you gave a disclaimer. Mm -hmm. No, you still said it. You still put it in people's hearts and minds. You're still going to pay. And it seeds. It seeds. Exactly. So don't put a disclaimer. It's either you believe it, you're going to die for it, and come no, anything I tell you guys, I'm willing to stake my soul on it, to die for it, to be answered before God and be like, Lance, why did you say this? And so unless you're there, shut your mouth. Stop lying to people unless you're willing to put your soul on the line because you're putting everybody else's soul on the line. <laughs> shut it. Okay? All right. Top uh, next one, bastard alerter, Lord of excommunication. Matthew twenty three fifteen. Woe to you, experts in the law, and you Pharisees, hypocrites! You cross land and sea to make one convert, and when you get one, you make him twice as much a child of hell as yourself. Talk about a smackdown! He called them children of hell, right? Excommunicated. They thought they were the children of God, but they weren't. He said, "You're children of hell." John 8, 42 40 through 45. Jesus replied, If God were your father, you would love me, for I have come from God, and I'm now here. I have not come on my own initiative, but he sent me. Why don't you understand what I'm saying? It is because you cannot accept my teaching. You people are from your father, the devil, and you want to do what your father desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not uphold the truth, because there is no truth in him. Whenever he lies, he speaks according to his own nature, because he's a liar and the father of lies. But because I'm telling you the truth, you do not believe me. Right? Excommunicate. He's like, listen, you guys are the father of your devil. You don't love God. They're claiming they love God. That's happening in the churches right now. They claim to know Jesus. They claim to love God. It's a lie. They're so deceived. And Jesus dealt with it in his time. These people are convinced they were the chosen people of God. Father Abraham was their father. If Abraham was your father, you'd do what Abraham did. But they don't, right? And so here's the thing. If Jesus is your Lord, would you not do what Jesus did? And what, is that? what has Jesus done? Complete obedience. Period. Right? That's what Jesus did. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. He's the one that set the example. Follow the example. Again, we're not talking perfection. We're not talking about earning. We're talking about heart change of willing submission to God and Christ and to obey and to learn his ways and he will give you the Holy Spirit and help you get there. And you're going to be just fine if you remain teachable. But if not, you're getting it. All right. He who taunts, what's in the name? Hypocrite. So these are all the names Jesus called people. <laughs> this is going to seem harsh. <laughs> but, you know, if you tell people this right now, They'll be like, Lance, that's unchristian of you. Oh, is it really? Yeah, right. It's like, well, first of all, if I called someone a hypocrite, I for whitewashed tomb fools. That's what Jesus did. 
So if I say your, your actions line up with these verses that you're this, that's just the facts. Okay. So anyways, hypocrites, Luke 12, 15, 6. Luke 12, 56. Hypocrites, you know to discern the face of the heaven and the earth, but how is it that you do not discern the times? I have found 17 times in Scripture referencing Jesus calling people hypocrites. What does hypocrite mean in the Bible? Uh, Strong's G5273. An actor under an assumed character, a stage player, that is figuratively a dissembler, a hypocrite. Someone pretending to be something they're not. There's tons of that in Christianity. Right? And so... <laughs> Next one, vipers from John the Baptist first. Luke 3, 7 through 8. So John said to the crowds that came out to be uh, baptized by him, you offspring of vipers. What did a viper do? A viper would eat their own. Who warned you to flee from the coming wrath. Therefore, produce fruits that proves your repentance. Ah, works. Wow, imagine that. And don't begin to say to yourself, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you that God can raise up children from Abraham from these stones. Next one, right? From Jesus. Matthew 23, 31 through 33. By saying this, you testify against yourself that you are descendants of those who murdered the prophets. Fill up the measure of your ancestors. You snakes, you offspring of vipers, how will you escape being condemned to hell? These are just facts. He's laying it down. Like, oh, son, that's rude. That's rude. That's disrespectful. Why could you ever talk to somebody? It's like, it's easy. He's not playing games. He's trying to get them to make a decision. That's right. Top of page seven, whitewashed tombs, Matthew 23, 27 through 28. Woe to you experts in the law and you Pharisees, you hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tombs that look beautiful on the outside, but inside are full of the bones of dead men and of everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside, you look righteous to people, but in inside, you're full of hypocrisy and lawlessness, right? You're a grave. Next one, fools, Matthew 23, 17. Fools and blind. For which is greater, the gold or the temple that sanctifies the gold, right? Fools and blind. Next one, Luke 11, 39 through 40. And the Lord said to him, now you Pharisees make the outside of the cup and the platter clean, but you your inward parts is full of plundered wickedness, fools. <laughs> <laughs> fools. <laughs> fools. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, it's funny. <laughs> fools. Anyways, <laughs> did not he... Who made the outside also make the inside. Luke 24, 25. And he said to them, O oh, fools and slow of heart to believe all, all things that the prophets spoke. Right? So he called them fools. It's blind. Matthew 23, 24 through 26. Blind guides, you strain in a gnat, yet you swallow a camel. That's hilarious. <laughs> Woe to you, experts in the law and the Pharisees and you hypocrites. You, you clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but the inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisees, first clean the inside of the cup so that your outside may become clean and full. How offended would you be if you're like, you're blind, angel. You swallow a, a camel to strain at a gnat. How foolish are you? Moron? You idiot? Can't you be smarter than this? That's basically what he's doing. He's like, how can you be so stupid? You know? And the, I mean, I can't even say that's nice. That's just hardcore. It's like, you're a moron. Stop it. You know? And so, Matthew 23, 16. Woe to you, blind guides, who says, whoever swears by the temple is bound by nothing, but whoever swears by the gold of the temple is bound by the oath. Right? Blind guides, foolish ones, dogs. Matthew 15, 26. But he said, he answered and said, it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs, the Gentiles at the time, right? right. Revelation 22, 14 through 15. Blessed are those who do his commandments that their authority will be over the tree of life and they may enter to, by the gates in the city. Division here. But outside are the dogs. Not literal dogs, they're people. He's calling them dogs. It was an insult. 
and sorcerers and the fornicators and the murderers and the idolaters and everyone who loves and makes a lie. Right? Said, for the grand smackdown, read Matthew 23, 19 through 36, where Jesus just lays it thick like peanut butter. I mean, he just does not let up. There's no... Yeah. All right. Quick survey of the parables of division, hidden truths and insults. We're going to kind of fly through this. Think of all the insults and slaps in the face given in the parables. Jesus constantly divided people into two groups. It is no wonder they wanted to kill him because they understood these parables were about the people because Jesus was sent to Israel first. So when he's given these parables, it was to the nation of Israel and he was trying to teach them lessons about themselves and they understood that and they hated him for it. Okay. And so wheats and tares, Matthew 13, 24 through 30. It's the saved versus the lost tenant farmers, Matthew 21, 33 through 45 murderous servants versus the faithful servants, marriage feast, Matthew 22, one through 14 prepared guests versus unprepared guests. Household staff, Matthew 24, 43 through 51, faithful wise servants versus wicked evil servants. Mm. Top of page eight. Ten virgins, Matthew 25, 1 through 13. Foolish virgins versus the wise virgins. Ten talents, Matthew 25, 14 through 30. Hardworking servants versus lazy, lazy wicked servants. Sheeps and goats, Matthew 25, 31 through 46, saved versus the lost. The rich man, Luke 12, 16 through 20, those rich towards God versus those who are greedy. Barren fig tree, Luke 13, 6 through 9, fruitful servants versus barren servants. Rich man and Lazarus, Luke 16, 19 through 31, those with ears to hear versus the deaf. Pharisee and tax collector, Luke 18, 19 through 14, the prideful versus the humble. Says fake Jesus does not want us to teach and preach like Jesus did. Yet it is how we are supposed to preach. We must divide using the word of God, the true and the false, the fakers and the committed. It seems harsh and judgmental to some, but if people do not know their true state, it is hateful to allow them to remain in rebellion against God and receive the payment of their sins. Death. Okay. Next one. Salvational doorkeeper. Given to some. Says, Jesus hid the truth to prevent conversion and salvation. Mark 4, 11 through 12. And he said to them, To you is given the mystery of God's kingdom. But to those who are outside, all things are done in parables. That seeing they may see and not perceive. And hearing they may hear and not understand. Lest perhaps they should turn again, which means repent. And their sins should be forgiven them. Let that sink in. Jesus purposely clouded the water. Because salvation wasn't given to the people who were hearing it, but he was required to say it. And we'll see why right here. It says, Jesus only accepts those called by God. John 6, 44 to 45. No one comes to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I'll raise him up in the last days. It is written in the prophets that they will all be taught by God. Therefore, everyone who hears from the Father has learned and come for me, right? And I'll read it again. John 6, uh, 65 he said for this cause i have said to you that no one can come to me unless it is given to him by my father so jesus said nobody can come to him unless it is given to him by god yes if you have been called mm -hmm. right then praise god put your arms around that and do not let go most privileged thing in the entire everything you're right. You have been called.
Praise God. So it says, of those called to by uh, called to Jesus by God, only a few will be chosen. Matthew twenty sixteen. So the last will be first, and the first will be last. For many are called, but few are chosen. How precious is your salvation! Don't play fast and loose with salvation offered you. Today is the day of salvation. Right. All right. So here we are at the end. The wrath of Jesus upon sinners. Behold the fury. Second Thessalonians 2, 7 through 8. For the mystery of lawlessness is already working. Only he is now holding back until it comes out of the midst. And then the lawless none will be revealed, right? Which we talked about. Fake Jesus, false Messiah. Whom the Lord shall consume with the breath of his mouth, which is actually Satan. And shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. So, Jesus shall consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming, right? Both fists, spiritually speaking, doubled up, coming for some payback. <laughs> okay alright Matthew 9 I'm sorry top of page 9 not Matthew 9 <laughs> sorry I was listening to your thought uh, Matthew, uh, top of page 9 Revelation 2.16 says repent therefore or else I am coming to you quickly and I will make war against those against them with the sword of my mouth right we read about that earlier right so repent or Jesus is going to make war against you that you're going to become the object of of his wrath and fury. It's that simple. We don't want that to happen. We want people to repent. But if they want to play games with God, I ain't got time for it. And I don't want to be responsible for it. And so, yes, I am creating division in our Bible study group by creating visitors and members. Mm -hmm. Because guess what? That's exactly what you are. You're a visitor. If you don't love Christ, you don't love him enough to obey him. If you're not willing to at least begin to study about it and learn about it, then you're in rebellion. The Bible is quite clear you have to obey. But if you're putting the brakes on it or you're coming up with your own way in the doctrines and the commandments of men, then fine. We're not in unity. I will teach you things about Christ and God to help you come to him. But I ain't going to let off the gas just because you're sitting there acting confused about it. Okay? So, Revelation 19, 11 through uh, 16 plus 21. I saw the heaven open, behold, a white horse, and he who sat on it is called Faithful and True. That's Jesus. In righteousness he judges and make war. His eyes are a flame of fire, and on his head are many crowns. He has names written and names written with no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a garment sprinkled with blood. His name is called the Word of God. The armies which are in heaven followed him on the white horses, clothed in white in, in white, pure and fine linen. Out of his mouth proceeded a sharp to a double-edged sword, that with it he should strike the nations. He will rule them with a rod and iron. He treads the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of God, the Almighty. He has on his garment and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. The rest were killed with the sword of him who sat on the horse. This is Jesus, okay? The, Woo! the sword which came out of his mouth and all the birds were filled with their flesh. So Jesus is coming back to take vengeance. Upon the world in sin. Anyone who rejected him. Yes, they're getting it. Double barrel, both fists, nuclear bomb bias, whatever you want to call it, it's coming. You don't want none of it. Repent, get right with God, and you ain't got to worry about it. You're covered. You'll be fine. Revelation 6, 16 through 17. They told the mountains and the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the thrones and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath has come, and who is able to stand? Whoo, mighty is that wrath. And so Jesus gives us a little prophetic glimpse, right, here in the book of John. 
So let's read a prophetic preview of the wrath of Jesus. John 2, 13 through 17. Said the Passover of the Jews was at hand and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. He found in the temple those who sold ox, sheep, and doves in the changers' money sitting. He made a whip. I love that part because you don't just like passively pick one up on 7-Eleven on the way to go whipping up the temple. You know, he's out and made a whip. Or stood, whatever. But anyways, he made a whip of cords and threw out all uh, and threw all all out of the temple, both the sheep and the oxen, and he poured out the changers' money and overthrew their t- tables. To those who sold the doves, he said, "Take these things out of here. Don't make my father's house a marketplace." His disciples remembered that it was written, "Zeal for your house has eaten me up." Mm. So Jesus is moved. This is passionate, Jesus. This ain't sweet baby Jesus. This is passionate, Jesus. This is like I'm sick of this. This is a prophetic preview of what's going to happen. All things that offend God are going to be removed. He loves God so much, he will not let it stand. And God will not accept it. It says, I hope to live long enough to see the entirety of fake Christianity burned to the ground and swept in the trash heap of history. And for the true body of Christ to rise up and take the rightful place as true leaders of the faith. I wish that every false doctrine will be exposed. Every steeple of humanism destroyed. All church boards of satanic lives dissolved in the acid of truth. I pray the church of Jesus finds repentance and will turn from their worldly ways and make her Lord proud. Because the failure to do so will ensure their imminent destruction from the presence of God. It says, you have been warned. Believe in the real Jesus. Revelation 22, 12 through 14. Behold, I come quickly. My reward is with me to repay to each man according to his works. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who do his commandments, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter in into the uh, gates, into the city. Right? So what have we done here as we wrap up the Bible study? Jesus has come to create division in your own house, in your own family, in your own work, in your own state, in your own country. You are called to do it. The Holy Spirit is here doing it. You are supposed to set light for dark and dark for light and uh, separate those two and not mix them, right? And like say, this is light, this is dark, right? And 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 stand for Christ and not try to be friends with the world. The, the Bible says you'll be hated. You're not here to make peace in the world. You're here to make peace between man and God. Jesus is not playing games. He's coming back with both fists barreled and he's going to throw down some justice on people. And he very spoke very plainly to them about their state, calling whitewashed settlers, brood of vipers, hypocrites, fool, blind, twofold children of hell. You're the father, you're devil. He did not mince words, right? We are not to either. It does no good. Now there's a tactful way. There's a way that produces fruit, right? We can be harmless, as a dove, if we're doing it in the right context, but harmless as a dove does not mean weak and wimpy. That's right. And the harm he's talking about isn't harm to like people's emotions. There's harm to their souls and, and to what's going on in their lives that's going to cause them a brutality before God. But in the world, it you know you're going to cause harm to a homosexual by telling him that he's in sin. Mm-hmm. And then he's in rebellion against God and he's going to burn in hell. That's going to upset them. Oh, yes, it will. Right. And so you're going to have division, right? And so that harm, the harmless of a dove, people take that as like, no, we're supposed to be meek and mild and never do anything that ever offends it. We're not, no, you can't be the salt and light of the earth without offending the darkness. 
Right. right. And what Jesus said, if your salt loses its savor, what is it good for? But to be thrown in the street. Mm -hmm. So don't be as Christian and loses their saltiness because you don't want to offend a world that's already burning in hell. It's already going to burn. It's, it's done for. They punch their ticket. You're there to take that ticket away from them. Tell them about God and Jesus and give them the opportunity to accept true repentance, obedience, sacrifice and love of God and Jesus. Get baptized get in a spirit-led church that obeys God and the commandments and move forward and start being salt and light themselves, okay? So hopefully we totally just got rid of the sweet baby Jesus syndrome in a lot of people's mind and realized that God and Jesus is a man of God. He's the Lord and Savior, and he's coming back as the line of tribe of Judah to reap justice upon mm -hmm. all those who offend, Amen. okay? Amen. Yes. Praise God. And so let's pray. Dear Father, we praise you. We thank you for everything. Thank you for this understanding. Thank you for uh, helping us to value our salvation more and, 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 you know, tend to it and keep it and work out our salvation in fear and trembling, prioritizing our walk with you above all else, not loving anything in this world more than we love you, not letting our families be our excuses for not burning bright. Because that is failure in your sight, Father. We have to burn bright despite our families, despite our coworkers, despite our jobs. And that is what you are requiring of us. Many are called, few are chosen. And that is why. Because they refuse to give their hearts solely to you and just be sold out to the kingdom. So help us all do that. Put it all in our hearts. If any area in our lives is failing, let us know. If we need to give more to you, let us know. If we need to submit more, let us know. We want to please you and be pleasing in your sight because you deserve it and you have purchased us. We are not our own. We have been bought with our price, so we will obey you and we love you very much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Praise God. If you feel so led of the Lord and want to know how to donate to this ministry outreach, please visit brotherlance.com and scroll down to the bottom of the main page for the PayPal link. Thank you, and may God's blessing rest upon you. brotherlance.com